Our first reading comes from Psalm 107. I'm going to pick up the reading from uh, verse 23. At Psalm 107 and picking up the reading from verse 23. Now the Lord hears the cry of his people. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. This is the word of the Lord. And if you could turn with me again to the book of Mark. We're reading from Mark chapter 4 and starting at verse 35 and then reading through to verse 41. Let's hear from God's word. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the winds died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Friends, as we take a close look at God's word, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we pray by your spirit now that you would imprint your wonderful word in our hearts and in our lives. Heavenly Father, open our eyes and open our ears so that we might see Jesus more clearer and so know you more clearer. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The storm was terrific. When the ship went plunging down into the trough of the sea, few on board expected her to come up again. The hold was rapidly filling with water as I hurried to my place at the pumps and yelled to the captain, if this will not do, the Lord have mercy on us all. His own words startled him. Mercy, he said to himself in astonishment. Mercy, what mercy can there be for me? This was the first desire I had breathed for such a thing for many years. About six in the evening, the hold was free from water, and so came a gleam of hope. I thought I saw the hand of God displayed in our favour, and so I began to pray. I could not yet utter the prayer of faith. I could not yet draw to God and call him Father. My prayer was more like the cry of the ravens, 
which yet the Lord does not disdain to hear. Friends, if you're still wondering who wrote these words, let me give you a clue from the first line of a hymn this man will later write. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And so thanks to this tremendous storm, John Newton cried out to God. And as he did, you have to wonder, don't you, whether another story about a boat in a raging storm came to mind for him. For his cry is very much echoed by a bunch of first century fishermen who found themselves in a very similar situation, isn't it? And friends, as our focus now turns to this account, although these fishermen's experience is far more dramatic than John Newton's in every single way, its familiarity can dampen its impact, can't it? So well known is this boat and this storm and what happens out there on that inland sea that we can read it and be virtually unmoved. Indeed, friends, chances are some of you, as we went through those verses, were taken back to your old Sunday school days, and you can almost see your Sunday school teacher, can't you, who, having read the passage out, then says something like, Children, Jesus calmed the storm for the disciples, and he can calm the storms in your life too. Now, friends, if something like this is going on for you right now, stuck with a domesticated view of this account along with that simple, clichéd application. Well, how about we begin this morning with a question for our old Sunday school teacher. If having Jesus with me calms the storms in my life, well then, why did Jesus put the disciples out there in the storm in the first place? Did he not know that this was going to happen? Well, of course he did. So isn't it just as accurate to say having Jesus in my life brings trouble, brings the storm? After all, if these men hadn't joined Jesus, chances are they'd be at home with their families about now, just about to sit down and have their evening meal together. But while that might be true for many other families as the sun went down, not so for this group. For as Mark reports, verse 35, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now friends, while Mark doesn't report the disciples' response to this request from Jesus, it would not be at all surprising if his suggestion was not meant with a great deal of enthusiasm. Because let's not forget, we're talking first century navigation here. As such, there's no lights on this boat other than a few lanterns. More importantly, though, there are no lights on the water to guide them over that body of water. And that's a fairly big deal when you consider the other side was beyond the horizon, somewhere between 10 and 13 kilometres away. And friends, make no mistake, this is no quick, easy trip. And yet, Jesus was asking them to do it on no sleep, 
to do it after a full, exhausting day with the crowds. Lord, wouldn't it make much more sense to row out a couple of hundred metres, drop anchor, and for us all to get some well-earned rest? Then with us nice and fresh the next morning and with the added benefit of being able to see, then make the trip over? And Lord, we haven't even talked about the possibility of bad weather that this place is renowned for. Now friends, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure this is the sort of thing I'd be thinking if I was one of those disciples. But no, Jesus wants them to push out immediately and do an overnighter. No sleep for them, but plenty of sleep for Jesus as he pulls up a cushion in the stern of the boat and immediately falls asleep. Now, what the disciples thought of this as they worked hard at those oars, hour after hour after hour, well, we're just not told. But one thing is for sure, as they navigated that little boat through the darkness, they all knew they were out there for one reason and one reason alone, because Jesus said so. And friends, as we take this fact in, the question, well, if they're not asking it, we most certainly should be, and that's why. And why is Jesus putting them through this challenging, dangerous night trip when surely all they want to be doing is what Jesus is doing and having a well-earned rest after a big, big day? That's the question. And friends, if we're going to begin to get to the bottom of it, Perhaps a good place to start is looking at the day leading up to that evening. So let's back up just a little and have a look. If you still have your Bibles in front of you, you'll see this day consisted of parable after parable after parable. And that's because, as we saw last week, this was the way that Jesus taught the crowds. But not his disciples. Now, as Mark reports, just one verse back from our reading today, verse 34, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Now, friends, just imagine that for a second. All these thousands of people who are traveling from all over the place are given these stories. And as they puzzle over them, you along with a tiny select group, get private tuition, a personal Q&A with the Son of God. I mean, just imagine being a part of that tiny select group, picked from total obscurity to be with Jesus in all that he does. And so you were there, you had a bird's eye view when the leper's skin goes from diseased to totally clean. You were right there when that paralytic on the mat jumps up onto his feet. You've heard with your own ears the petrified demons shriek in terror at Jesus' command to get out of their host. And now, as he speaks parables to the masses, 
You have the privilege of private tuition so not a single word is lost on you. As such, by the end of this day, as the sun goes down, you are the full bottle on everything. Parable of the light lampstand, no problem. That's the light of Jesus' word, exposing and rolling back Satan's realm and the darkness of sin. What about the growing seed? Well, that's the kingdom of God that now planted by Jesus' word will not stop until it has produced its intended crop, which is people. What about the mustard seed? Well, that's an assurance that although we're small in number now, when all is said and done, God's kingdom and its citizens are going to cover the earth. Friends, at the end of the day, the disciples know it all and the disciples believe it all. Or do they? Because having just explained everything to them, verse 34, and the disciples smiling and nodding back at Jesus, he says, okay, great. Let's all now jump in this boat and head for the other side. And the disciples oblige, don't they? No argument about the fact it's going to be pitch dark in about an hour or so. No complaint that they're all wrecked after a huge day, nothing negative from their lips whatsoever. No, they listen and obey their captain and immediately push out from shore while he takes a rest. And as the crowds watch them go, their conclusion would be these disciples are a perfect picture of humble dedicated service to their king what an example of faith what an example of trust these men are but all is not what it seems there is something not quite right about this perfect picture something fundamentally missing between the disciples and jesus And friends, this something is the real reason they're heading out into the middle of that lake in the middle of the night. Because once out there, things immediately begin to change, don't they? Suddenly the, the twinkling lights above which were helping them to navigate disappear. Next the wind starts to pick up and before long the waves start to whip up. And as the lightning starts to hit around them, these men see from those flashes, they are right in the middle of what every Galilean fisherman dreads. Praise they'll never get caught in. A furious squall. And squall here is a great word, isn't it? Because if you've ever experienced something similar to what hit that night... Squall reminds you not just of the wind's power, but the noise it gives off. The howling, squealing, frightening sound that comes with it. Frightening on land, let alone having it hit you out in the middle of something similar to the Bass Strait at night in a small, open, wooden boat. But that's the predicament these disciples now find themselves in. The only one seemingly unaware of it 
is Jesus, who incredibly is somehow still catching up on those Zs in the corner of the boat, still totally and peacefully at rest. Despite the fact the only thing between them and the ferocious sea will be no more within minutes, if not seconds. As such, the disciples all agree it's time to cut Jesus' nap time short. And so they wake him up by shouting at the top of their lungs these words, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Now, friends, an hour or so earlier, there is no way anyone on that boat would have thought, let alone question out loud, Jesus care for people, let alone them. For he is the personification of care, isn't he? And they have all seen it up close. Watch Jesus fix, help and love the least cared for as well as courageously rebuke the religious hierarchy who cared only for themselves. The disciples saw Jesus' care, knew Jesus' care, rested in Jesus' care. If anyone on on this earth cared for others, it's Jesus. But now, this basic foundational truth they all know goes completely out the window. And why? Well, friends, because this is the first time in all their time with Jesus that they have been faced with a problem that affects them. This storm has come upon and is personally threatening them. Now, how is that right? How is that fair? We're the disciples. And so Jesus is jolted awake with an accusation, with a charge that he does not care what happens to them. And as we reflect on the verbaling the disciples give Jesus here, is it not true that we can hear about, we can read about, all sorts of terrible things going on for Christians around the world and don't for a second question Jesus' care. But when trouble hits us, oh, how things can change in the blink of an eye. And so we have the disciples who as soon as trouble rounds on them, throw up their hands and point the finger at Jesus. And friends, in this, this storm, well, it reveals something that the disciples, indeed, all of us need to grapple with, truly grapple with. And that is when it comes to Jesus, do we have a fair weather faith are we okay with rough seas for others but as soon as the wind and the waves head our way we likewise accuse Jesus of being asleep at the wheel because that's where we're at here isn't it 
And now it's been revealed in the disciples. How is Jesus going to respond? Well, friends, he's now going to show their brittle faith comes from a brittle, deficient understanding of who is in the boat with them. And so verse 39, have a look at it. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, notice he's not yelling at them, just talks to them, quiet, be still. And friends, the moment those words left Jesus' mouth, like an obedient dog listening to its master, both the storm above and the waters below obeyed, instantly obeyed. In other words, we're not talking, you know, a break in the weather here such that the winds slowly abate and in half an hour or so the the sea was back to normal. No, friends, we're talking one second hurricane, next second mill pond calm. One second can't hear yourself think. The next second can hear a pin drop. Totally and utterly and instantly calm and then into this complete silence that Jesus has brought about he looks at his disciples and asks them this question why are you so afraid do you still have no faith now friends see how Jesus pinpoints what's missing between him and them with these two questions? Your panic comes from ignorance. If you knew that the creator of the wind and the waves, the one who made it all and controls it all, is right here in this boat with you, your reaction would be different. Not only in that, But you don't know either that in this boat is someone who intimately and cares and loves you. But despite all the seeing, all the hearing, all the nodding and smiling earlier on, their accusation shows they clearly have not made any of those connections. And so Jesus bridges the gap for them. Quiet wind, waves be still. And they were. Now, friends, you would think this powerful object lesson of who Jesus truly is and how much he truly cares, having been the focus of his divine sovereign protection in such a miraculous way, you would think verse 41 would read something like this. They were jubilant and said, now we know who this is. For even the wind and the waves obey him. But no, instead we read, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now friends, how do we make sense of that response? Because it's like they know the answer, don't they? But they don't want to go there. They don't want to go there for this prospect terrifies them even more than the storm. Why? How is that the case? The answer is this. Because they realise in the stillness 
the one they just accused, the one they just demanded an answer from, is the one who'll be demanding answers from them, the one they are accountable to. The personal God who they have all personally sinned against is right there in the boat with them. And so as they look upon him and who Jesus truly is looks upon them, in them, the disciples immediately go from fear for their physical life to fear for their eternal life. And yet as they wait for that bigger storm to hit them, as they await the judgment they rightly deserve, the calm, the peace and the quiet continues on. For that is why Jesus, God in the flesh, has come, not to bring down on them the heavenly storm, but heavenly peace. Eternal peace, peace with God. A peace that will be secured by him one day very soon as he takes their deserved judgment storm upon himself. Now the disciples don't see this now, don't have the full picture now, but one day soon they will. And when they do see it, they will not stop answering the question that they pose right here. Who is this Jesus? Well, he is the one in whom all the fullness of God dwells bodily. Who is Jesus? He is the one who bore our sins in his body on the tree. Who is this Jesus? He is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. And do these wonderful truths mean having Jesus in your life guarantees your days will now be all plain sailing? No. In fact, the Bible is very clear. Being with Jesus brings trials and difficulties, brings them to test you and grow you. Exhibit A, Jesus' disciples. But as the storms come at you, here's what this trial that happened to them on that night teaches us. If Jesus is in your boat with you, not only does he care, not only can he give you rest and assurance, even peace within the storm, but most of all, with him who died and rose again in your boat with you, you know without a shadow of a doubt that no storm can sink you and you will make it safe and sound to the other side. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that when Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Father, we thank you that they were going to hit land on the other side, but not before a storm that tests them and tries them about who they are, about who Jesus is, what they expect from him, and how deep their trust in him really is.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way Jesus answers those questions for the disciples and also for us. Heavenly Father, when storms and trials and difficulties hit, hit us personally, it can be deeply challenging and confusing. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to draw on this passage, knowing that just as you taught the disciples and challenged the disciples and grew the disciples, so you do us in difficulties and trials. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you too that just as Jesus calmed the storm, help us to know the peace that is truly there for us in our storms and difficulties. And Father, help us too to know that just as Jesus said they're going over to the other side, help us also to know that with him with us, we too will make it to the other side. We pray and thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.